Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Father Trevor. Well, you know how uh, parents sometimes say, no roughhousing at the top of the stairs, someone will fall down and break their neck. It was my ankle. Um, and I had a cast for six weeks on crutches, and then I had to do rehab. Um, and uh, they would put my leg in ice water for like 20 minutes. It was awful. And then they'd hook up a little electrodes to my leg. Um, and uh, few seconds on to stimulate the muscles, a few seconds off. And once I could do uh, a few lift-ups, like a hundred on my ankle like this, just lifting up, then I was good to go. And I finally went from not being able to put any weight on my ankle at all to being fine and going back to running and frolicking as boys do in the woods where I was from. Um, I don't really think about my broken ankle often. Um, I don't carry that pain with me. But, you know, I do carry with me uh, hard conversations I've had throughout my life. I do carry with me um, angry words that I've spoken or that others have spoken to me. A baseball coach yelling at me in my front yard when I quit the team. Uh, My grandfather teasing me, a fight with my brothers. Friend I discovered was saying things about me behind my back. An argument Bonnie and I had in our first year of marriage. I didn't know how we were going to get through a coworker at a summer job that yelled and cursed at me. Those are the things that hurt you and then stick with you. There's that old saying, sticks and stones break your bones, but words can never harm you. It's almost exactly opposite of that. Our bodies have an incredible ability to heal broken bones, don't they? But it's those broken words that really hurt. It's like the superhero Wolverine. You know, he has these regenerative powers in his body, right? He gets cut, he gets shot, and almost immediately the wound just closes right up. But in storyline after storyline, he's still dealing with the emotional trauma, with the words from all of his past lives. His body can heal, but words leave a longer wound. Proverbs 15 says, a soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Put it a different way, kind words heal and help. Cutting words wound and maim. See, words have an incredible power. Sometimes we want to separate words from actions or words from people or say that words don't matter. Words have an incredible power, and they have the power to heal or the power to hurt. And what we want to look at in this scripture today is how can we be people of healing words? How can we be people of healing words in our relationships? We're in a series about relationships. We want to have better relationships amidst a broken world. How can our relationships be characterized not by hurtful words, but by healing words? So would you turn with me to the book of James? We read from this passage a little bit earlier. This is in the back half of, of your Bible. If you need a, a Bible, if uh, you didn't bring one with you, that's totally fine. There's five or six on this back table here. Feel free to just jump up and grab one or look at it on your device 
we'll study this together. Sometimes um, when I'm studying the Bible, I'll print it out and I'll, I'll double space it and then I'll just start doodling all over it to kind of see what's happening and kind of help make sense. I'm a visual learner. And so this is my, this is my doodles from my study this week. Um, we've been talking about questions that we can ask of the Bible as we study it. So I'm going to start with this one. What does this text say about us? What does this say about us as people, how, how we interact with words? And here's what I think it says. I think it says this, that our hearts, our mouths, and our hands are intrinsically connected. Jesus, in that passage from Luke 6, we said it's, he said, out of the heart comes the words of your mouth. That who we are affects how we speak and what we say. And here in James, he talks about our hearts being pure or being polluted by the world. He talks about our words being um, angry words or humble words. And he talks about our actions being connected to those words. So here in uh, verse 26, those who consider themselves religious, religious meaning their deeds are good, It's about the outward things we do. That's what they mean by religion in this passage. Yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues. They deceive themselves. So their heart, who they are, is coming out of their mouth. And it doesn't matter what they do because their heart is evil. Their words are evil. Their deeds, no matter what they are, are polluted by that. He says they're worthless. So who we are, what we say, and what we do all goes together. It's all connected. And what influences what our heart is like, what our words are like, what our deeds are like? Where, where, where does that come from? What, is the, what shapes that? Well, look with me in verse 21 of James. He says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. There is a word that can be planted in our hearts, in who we are as people, that can save us. It's the word of God. It can be planted like what that proverb said about a tree of life. It can be a good tree that, that Jesus talked about, that good tree that brings forth good fruit. It can be planted in our lives. There's a word that can be planted in our lives, a word that saves. But contrast that with the evil that is so prevalent, the moral filth. And then at the end of this passage, verse 27, it ends with, don't be polluted by the world. So there is a word that saves, but there is a world that pollutes. And and those influence our heart, those shape our hearts and then our words and then our actions. Toward healing words or towards hurtful words? And what does it look like? What is the fruit of the word that saves? Jesus said, good trees have good fruit, bad trees have bad fruit. What does that good fruit look like? Well, first, it's pure, not polluted. Verse 26, uh, 27. Religion, actions, deeds that our Father accepts as pure and faultless are this. Connect that word pure and faultless to what Jesus talked about being the good stored up in your heart. Connect that word to what 
James says earlier in verse 20, righteousness. Righteousness is living God's way. Righteousness is living life that is healing and not hurting. Is living life that is loving and not hating. That's what righteousness is. It's the way of God. It's how you were meant to live. That's what he means by being pure. Live the life of God. Don't live a life that brings hurt and pain and suffering. Live the life of God. Don't be polluted by the world. It also looks like compassion, not anger. Compassion is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Orphans and widows are the powerless in their community. They're the ones who don't have anything. They're the ones who most need the word of life to be planted in them to bring forth life. And when you have the word of God planted in you, it comes forward in a life-giving heart of compassion, in life-giving words, and in life-giving deeds to help the people who most need life. But when our hearts are polluted by the world, they're not filled with compassion, they're filled with anger. He's slow to become angry. Human anger does not produce righteousness. You can't live the life-giving way of God when you're filled with anger. Anger doesn't listen. Anger speaks. Anger speaks out of the overflow of an angry heart, angry words that taint all of your deeds. The word that saves is pure, is compassionate, and brings freedom. Verse 25, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. God's way, his way of righteousness, is a way that brings life. It's a way that sets us free to bring healing and love and life to others. What's the opposite of that? It's slavery, and that's verse 26. People consider themselves religious. Look at what I'm doing. What I'm doing is good, but they can't keep a rein on their tongues the tongues are coming from the outpouring of their heart. They're deceiving themselves. Their religion is worthless. They're actually a slave to their tongue. They're a slave to their evil heart. And even though they want to do good deeds, they can't because it's all been polluted. They can't live a life-giving way. They can't live a pure way. It's been polluted. And they're enslaved to their own words, to their own heart. Our hearts, our mouths, our hands, who we are, what we say, what we do, are all connected. How do we respond to this? How do we obey this? Well, it starts with the word of God that's planted in us. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but, but first I want to I want to apply this to sort of what's going on in our public life uh, as, a, as a country, because we're in an election season that is filled with a lot of hurtful and angry words. Now, just as a disclaimer, I chose these passages for this message months and months ago, even though it might seem otherwise. What do we do when we hear evil words spoken in our personal lives 
or in our public lives. And it doesn't matter whether they're spoken in leaked emails or deleted emails or eyewitness accounts or 11-year-old footage or campaign rally speeches or 2 a.m. tweets. Don't be deceived. Evil words come from an evil heart and they pollute their deeds. It's all connected. And to ignore them, to minimize them, to defend them, whichever candidate, whichever side, whichever party affiliation, to ignore them, to minimize them, to defend them is to deceive ourselves and to be polluted by the evil that is so prevalent in our world. Don't be a part of it. Bad fruits from bad trees. Keep from being polluted by the world. Now, we can't apply it to what's going on out there until we apply it to what's going on in here. Because we speak angry words, don't we? Out of our hearts comes hurtful words and hurtful deeds. We've got pollution in us. Here's how this looks sometimes in a church community. A hurtful word is done or a hurtful thing triggers something in our heart, a hurt we've had before or a new hurt, and what gets planted in there is a, a polluted tree, not a tree of life, a, a tree of, of hurt or, or a seed of bitterness. He, Hebrews says, don't let a root of bitterness grow up in your heart because when it does, it'll defile all of you. It'll defile the whole church. So in one of our hearts, a bitter seed, a critical seed, a hurt seed gets planted and it can't stay in the heart because the heart's connected to the mouth. So it's going to come out in the words you say. It's going to come out in your actions and then it's going to defile. It's going to pollute the whole community. City of Light, we have been through so much this past year. So many of us have walked through moments of suffering, and we have had each other's backs. We have shown love in our hearts and in our words and in our deeds. Don't let anything get in the way of that. Don't let any bitter seed get in the way of that. Don't let anything come in and pollute the, the work of healing that the Lord is doing and wants to do here. He wants this to be a healing tree for each of us and for this neighborhood. Don't let a seed of a bad tree take root in your heart. And Jesus gives us clear instruction on what to do. You go to the person whom you have hurt or who has hurt you. You go one-on-one. -on -one. You don't spread those seeds in any other way to anyone else. That is sin. That is gossip. That is wrong. You go to the person one-on-one -on -one and you speak. And if you guys can't figure it out, then you bring the elder. You bring the pastor and if you can't figure it out, you bring in the church altogether because this is so important because the church is meant to be a place of healing, a place of safety. And if our hearts have bitterness that is taking root, if our hearts are polluted by the world, it won't be that safe place. Everything's at stake. 
Keep your hearts pure, because bitter words come from a bitter heart, and they make for a bitter, bitter church. When you speak hurtful words, and you will, when I speak hurtful words, I will, when we have a loose tongue, repent. Don't deceive yourself. Don't minimize it. Don't defend it. Don't ignore it. Repent of the filth of the world. If there is pollution out there, there is pollution in here, what do we do? James says in verse 21, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. It's the word planted in you. It's not a word you can plant in you. It's a word that God can plant in you. Humbly accept it. It means you have to say that you need it. You have to know the pollution in your own heart and say, God, I need you to plant a word, a tree of life that can save me because I can't save myself. And this is the word of the gospel. This is the word of the good news of Jesus. That even though we're polluted, even though we're angry, even though we're deceived, even though we're enslaved, that we can be forgiven and transformed and purified. That even though all we have known are hurting words and, and that we have spoken and that have been spoken against us, there is a healing word in Jesus. In the heart of God. There is a healing love that is vast as the ocean. It's unpolluted by the filth of this world. And the love of his heart was spoken by the mouth of the Father as the living word, Jesus. The heart connected to the mouth, connected to the work of God. Out of his heart of love, he speaks from his mouth the word of Jesus. And Jesus is the good fruit from the good tree. He is the word and the deed of the overflow of the love of God. And he alone will purify the polluted rivers of our heart. And as he goes to the cross to spill his blood, his death on the cross becomes a cosmic filtration system, a, a purifying of our lives as we live under the blood of the cross. He washes us clean. And his word, he plants it deep in our souls and its roots go down, 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 uprooting the bitterness, uprooting the hurt, uprooting the anger. They go down, down into our souls until he brings to life in our hearts a tree of life so that our hearts overflow into words of healing and life and deeds of healing so that our hearts, our mouths, and our hands are not hurting hands. They're healing hands. I want to invite you this morning. Humble yourself before the Lord, before Jesus who is the Word, before His Word, the Bible. Obey it so that he can plant it deep within your heart, deep within your soul, 
and begin to transform who you are and what you say and what you do. We've talked a lot about the heart. I want to give you just a few key things that as you give your heart to the Lord, we can teach our tongues, we can teach our words, and we can train our words. So here's two tools. First, James, uh, James says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, be slow to get angry. Um, if you're being slow to speak, if you're being slow to get angry, then there's some words you're just not going to say. Uh, Bonnie and I had uh, some mentors when we first got married, and they called these red flag words. Or you could call them red card words if you're a soccer player. These words are out of bounds. They're against the rules. They can't be used. Here's a few of them. Name calling of any kind. The minute you go to a place of name calling, you have not been slow to speak and slow to be angry. So just get rid of those from your conversation. Sometimes there are direct names that you say to someone. Sometimes they get couched in language like, you're acting this way or you're being this way. They're names. Get rid of them. Be slow to get angry. Be slow to speak. Uh, another red flag word, all sarcasm. Now, sarcasm can be fun if you're joking around, if you know somebody. I think when Bonnie and I were first dating, she asked me what my love language was, and I said sarcasm. She was not amused then. <laughs> She's not always amused now. Um, but when you're having a real conversation, a deep conversation, there's, that's just not going to be helpful. Um, another, another set of words that are red flag words, um, always and never. When we use those words, it's, it's kind of this exaggerative you know, device, and it just, it can really be hurtful. You always do this. You'd never do this. Here's a little secret about us as people. You never always do something, right? Uh, finally, it's a red flag word. If it's anything, your friend, or your spouse, your coworker, if it's anything the other person has said hurts them, the other person gets to decide what those out-of-bounds words are. And we love them and respect them by doing that. Now, this is true for all of us. Words hurt all of us. Words hurt kids especially. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere when you're watching cement get poured. And it, they keep it really, they keep a lot of water on it. It's wet. You can take a trowel. You can move it around. You can shape it. You can get it how you want it. And then 24 hours later, it's set. And now if you want to go in and do the work, you have to do it with a jackhammer, right? It's not a perfect metaphor, but children are wet cement. They are moldable. They can be shaped. And they can be shaped with hurting words or with healing words. And we want to be, as a church, a safe place for children. So use healing words with your kids and with the kids here. Get rid of the hurtful words and replace them with words of blessing, words of affirmation. Shape them and grow them into trees that bring life. All right, that's one, red flag words. Here's number two. That was be slow to speak, be slow to be angry. This is be quick to listen 
whether that's with your friend, a family member, a child, an employee, a customer, a spouse, a stranger, be quick to listen. Now, that, first of all, is a heart reality, isn't it? Because listening, being quick to listen, says that the other person's actually more important. And so that's only something that the Lord can work in your heart. Be quick to listen. I don't know if you've ever watched the show Gilmore Girls. Um, it's a favorite in our house, and the characters, they just banter at this high speed. It's like you're fast-forwarding it, but that's the speed they did it in. And one person will say one thing, one person will immediately respond with, respond with some witty thing, and it goes back and forth, and you're like, no one talks like this. This isn't real life. The Gilmore Girls are, are quick to speak. We need to be quick to listen, because listening takes time. Listening is a giving of ourself. There's, there's no powerful gift, more powerful gift you can give to someone than your presence with them, saying that they're valued, they're more important. Before you can speak a healing word, you have to be a healing presence. You have to be a healing listener before you can speak a healing word. So here's a couple ways we can listen. Um, listening says that the person who's talking is more important than whatever else is going on. You ever talk to someone and they're kind of checking their watch? They've got something more important to do. Listening says that they're the most important person. And so we make eye contact when we talk because the person we're looking at who's talking to us is more important than whatever else is going on over there. It's more important than the the book I'm reading or the, the screen I'm looking at. It's more important than the large television that's on every wall in Buffalo Wild Wings. It makes it impossible to talk to someone. It's not even fair. And we don't interrupt because interrupting says what I have to say is more important than what you have to say. We actually prioritize them and we get rid of eye rolls and crossed arms and loud sighs. Those are not listening. You can't listen while you form a counter argument. You can't listen um, without, without valuing the person. Now, listening is not agreeing. You don't have to agree with the person to listen to them. But you have to value them. You have to value what they're going through and what their experience is. And listen, this is hard for us. Um, and one of the things that helped uh, me learn this a lot better was a little technique that's called speaker-listener, where one person says a, a few sentences, and they pause, and the other person the listener, uh, repeats it back. This is helpful for a number of reasons. One, when you do speaker-listener, one of you is a speaker and one of you is a listener. When you go into a conversation and say, I'm the listener, that helps a lot. Second, it slows down the whole pace of the conversation. Now, you don't have to use this all the time, but it can be really helpful in, in important conversations. It slows down the pace of it so that you can actually be slow to speak and slow to be angry because you're first understanding what the other person has to say. So imagine it going like this. Someone's telling you about their week. On Monday, my car broke down. And then on Tuesday, my dog died. And then on Wednesday, I got sick. And on Thursday, my kids colored all over my white leather couch. And now it's Friday. Now, if the listener responds by going, well, wait till you hear about my week, how's that first person going to feel? Not like they've been heard, right? But if that second person goes, wow, you had all of these things happen, that sounds like you've had a hard week. 
They've heard, they've kind of reflected back what the other person has said, and then they've interpreted it. Wow, that must be really tough. The person's going to feel heard, aren't they? Speaker-listener can be really helpful when you're trying to have that nitty-gritty conversation with that close person. Or when you're with your boss and you're really trying to get to the bottom of how this situation happened or how this project's going to go. You can respond by saying, okay, I want to make sure I understand. What I hear you saying is, or are you saying that, or it sounds like, and then they're going to know we're on the same page with this. Even if you don't agree, you can follow that up with, what about this, or could we try this, but it helps you get on the same page. It helps us be an attentive listener. And then one other thing for listening. Listening involves the work of questions. To be a listener means that you're trying to find out more about the person. So you're asking them really, really great questions. That sounds like it was a really hard week. How are you feeling about this next week? Is there anything you need? Is there something I've done to upset you? What do you need from me? What has the Lord been teaching you in the midst of that? How have you been praying in the midst of that? What scriptures have you been reading that have been meaningful? What are you dreaming about? What do you get passionate about? You know, it's okay when you're going to spend time with someone that you really care about to go find some really great questions so that you can be a good listener. We had a friend over uh, yesterday, and she is a journalist, and she asked incredible questions, and it really communicates her love and her care for us as friends. She wants to understand. She wants to figure out what's going on. And we as Christians and we as friends, we are like, we're like Holy Spirit journalists. We want to find out what's going on in your life and where God's at work. We're like reporters. We want to get to the story. We want to listen so we can be a healing presence. And then we can pray, okay, Lord, what is a healing word? All right, let me close with this. God has spoken a healing word to you. Jesus' disciples at one point, many of the disciples turn away from Jesus. And the ones who remain, they say, where else would we go? Jesus, you have the words of life. Jesus has spoken a healing word to you. He wants to speak it into your life. He, he wants to, to tell you how much he loves you, that he has given everything that is his to you. He wants to speak a word that says, I love you, you're mine, you can be my child, you can be my son, you can be my daughter. I will never leave you, I won't forsake you, I won't abandon you, I delight in you, I'm there for you, I want to listen to you, I want to speak healing to you. That is the healing word of God. Maybe it's been a while since you've heard that word from him. Maybe you never have. I want to give you just a few minutes of quiet as we end this message so that you can be with the Lord, be slow to speak, be quick to listen for the healing word that he wants to plant in the polluted waters of your soul. You may need to start by saying, I want to accept your word, God. I want to humbly submit to it and obey it. Obedience always comes before healing. 
Maybe you want to say to the Lord, would you uproot any evil that you see in my heart? Would you forgive me? Maybe you need to repent of something. And then you can invite him. Lord, would you just speak your healing word to me now? Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.